Greetings to everyone, my dear family. I want to share today about the present crisis of faith as it is unfolding. As you know, I just finished the Camino to Santiago, which was a great time of grace. First of all, because I realized in a more profound way, the level of the great apostasy in which we are living. Everywhere in the path, we could see the roots of Christian Europe. Even in the smallest towns, there was a church at the center. And I thought about the great effort done through the centuries to, to honor the Lord, to seek the ways of Christ, to build those beautiful churches. But today, they are mostly closed. They seem as vestiges of another era. In fact, in France, there are two parishes closing every month, on average. And this year, 60% of, of the dioceses would have zero ordinations to the priesthood. It was rare for us in the path to find a person who had a Christian motivation for the Camino. What used to be a pilgrimage of repentance and conversion that was uh, life-changing, it has become simply an adventure, a sport, uh, something cool to do with friends. Even among the older persons in the towns, there seemed to be only a remnant left who had faith. In several occasions, uh, I was able to meet someone who was in, in charge of the of the church and um, they were very joyous they rang the bells i would announce it to the the people that were passing by from the camino in one occasion there was uh, the only cafeteria in town was right next to the church so i announced it in english and spanish we will have a mass and there was this incredible indifference that's one thing I saw. It's just like indifference. I have th this custom to try to awaken people to the reality that we are heaven bound. That when I depart, I say, May the Lord bless you. Hope we see you in heaven. And more than once, the response from the elderly in Spain was, If there is one. See you in heaven? Oh, if there is one. The results of this huge apostasy is a darkness in the hearts that still is being masked by a culture absorbed in entertainment, in consumerism, and as long as this high is on, um, the ongoing devastation seems to be hidden but it's still going on and there's a lot of breaking, break, breakdowns and suffering among the people. 
To see this, I believe, is an enormous grace because we need to know the battle at hand in order to take our place in the battle with Christ. And here comes the second aspect of the experience. For me, the response that the Lord wants, a profound awareness of the grace that we have received and love crucified through the path, through the constant teaching, and through having each other to help us, to accompany us, to live it, to take seriously gazing upon the Lord, allowing our hearts to be pierced, to seek repentance, to seek new life. This must become not something we do, but it has to become our very life. So this brought me to repentance for my lack of resolve and focus on the mission that the Lord has given me. I saw occasions with help of others and also through prayer on my own. I saw occasions even in my recent past where I acted as a good priest, but not as a missionary of the cross. In other words, I was doing good things, saying good things, but not what God really called me to say and be. This call to live intensely the identity and mission, it's something that cannot be put on and off uh, at whim uh, as the occasions may come. So the physical demands of walking every day to the next goal became a sign of an interior spiritual discipline that the Lord is asking, I believe, all of us so that he can transform our hearts. Just ponder the life of Jesus, the life of St. Paul, and you see that interior discipline. It's all grace. Yes, it's all grace. But grace will not abound unless the soul is completely disposed. And that's what's the victimhood of love. And it is a struggle. We talk about in the community about doing what is most difficult. It doesn't mean that in any option, we do what is hardest just for the heck of it. But it does mean that when we look at discernment, we don't avoid doing what is right simply because it's the most difficult because it will be many times. It goes against the tendency of the flesh. So there is a, an intrinsic connection between the work of the flesh being uh, put into uh, purification and the advancement in the spiritual life. Uh, this is very strong in the Catholic tradition and it's confirmed by the saints um, I'm thinking also of Fatima, what those children, six, seven, and nine, when that's the ages they had when they first saw the angel, imagine six year old, and they were called to do penitence. They fasted, they prayed, 
and they changed they profoundly changed and they were so impressed with their vocation this is the impression that mary made upon their soul and i think we're always going to be tempted to oh you know we can't take this too dramatical you know it's like uh, and we kind of make the this vocation is something like a something that i believe in something that i want to do but the lord wants fire fire in our souls and he said i came to set the world ablaze and how i desire that i will be already ablaze this is the longing of jesus that we be one with him and fire to bring many victim souls to him and it's really an engagement of our whole being and a willingness to to sacrifice to do penance and to um, purify allow ourselves to be purified again it's all grace but grace builds upon nature and our nature has to be yielded profoundly radically to the lord so it was great for me to be detached from all the comforts that we are used to uh, sometimes in the, in the day will come that i am absolutely just felt that i'm done i'm so tired and i realize i can't stop because i have to make the quota it's 30 kilometers or 20 miles whichever way you want to count it because otherwise we just don't get on time to santiago and we miss the flight so if you want to finish the Camino, you have to do this. And um, you get to the albergues, you know, the hostels, and it's not comfortable, my friends. There's no towels, there's no sheets, there's no soap. Uh, of course, there's no air conditioning, and it's full of flies and humid, etc. And um, you have to sleep in these bunk beds. If you happen to have the top bunk bed, um, you can be getting up and down. You have to have everything inside your backpack. It's it's really amazing how many things we get used to in comfort. So um, all in all, this brought me to this thought. Romans 5.20, St. Paul says, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And I think this is what has happening to us. We know with St. Paul, the seriousness of sin and we see it every day we see the devastation we see the times we're living and we don't minimize it we don't hide and say you know this is going to be fixed you know by, by human means it's not it's going to be grace superabounding, and that grace is the power of christ saint paul did not minimize saint paul did not minimize the devastation caused by sin he suffered it daily and we know that his examples three times shipwrecked he was beaten he was stoned he was abandoned by his own people but he resolved the more to, to give his all trusting and proclaiming that christ's grace working in him is stronger than all evil and will bear great fruit actually he 
saw the suffering as a blessing, as a way of union with Christ. Today, St. Benedict of the Cross, and she reminds us that Jesus Christ suffered, but only if we are willing to receive the sufferings that we encounter in our lives and embrace them, uh, we will not participate of the graces of the Lord. So our confidence is not in the world, that things are not so bad, or that human beings are going to somehow fix the problems. Our confidence is not even in ourselves that we, we're going to get it all together. You know, we're going to fix these problems. Our faith is in the love of Jesus crucified, who lives in us as victims of love, the power of his cross. So I ask, are you going through a hard time? Are you concerned about the future? Don't minimize the problem, but know and proclaim this, Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Notice that these things do separate most people from Christ. The fact is, in times of distress, many abandon the Lord. The fact is, in times of tribulation, in persecution, in peril, in violence of the sword, many indeed have abandoned Christ. And that's the point St. Paul is doing, is making. These things that do separate many people from Christ do so because we were not prepared by living the power of faith. St. Paul is proclaiming that Christ wants to give us the power to conquer and not be defeated. And so it's a huge mistake to think that we are going to be spared tribulations. It's a huge mistake to think that things are not that bad or that somehow they're going to get fixed. The wisdom of God is the power of the cross to be able to endure these trials and tribulations as St. Paul did. Paul knows it, and he's not afraid to confront it. He goes on to say, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is the focus that we have to have in love crucified in our faith. We are more than conquerors. Yes, tribulations are here, trials, and they're going to get worse. Darkness, crisis of faith, but we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he goes on to say, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels 
nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Paul himself paints a, a picture of a huge battle. He says, indeed, yes, all this is coming at us, but know who Christ is and his power. And then the Lord turned me to St. Claude de la Colombière. It's a saying that I, I'm very fond of because, as you may know, he defended St. Margaret when even her community thought that she was probably even possessed by having all those apparitions. And he believed in her, defended her, and became the instrument to have them promulgated in the world through the Jesuits. And St. Claude writes this, really humble people are never scandalized because they know their own weakness too well. They know that they themselves are so close to the edge of the precipice and they are so afraid of falling over that they are not at all astonished to see others do so. My dear family, if we stand is by the grace of God and we have to thank him. And if we see others fall, we should pray with a broken heart for the Lord's mercy. What a terrible, terrible situation. But that does not mean that we ignore the crisis. Rather, we need to see it in the light of our faith in Christ. Unfortunately, all I have read regarding this scandal is about the need for better regulations, better accountability, a process for handling accusations, more transparency. We always feel that we can fix things by bringing them under our control. We can fix this, we're gonna do it. Of course, we have to have better accountability and we have to have better procedures, more transparency. All those things are indeed important. But I would say to you that all efforts are futile unless we face the heart of the problem, which is that we have grown lukewarm. We have compromised our faith by engaging in the mentality of the world, becoming secularized. Where is the fire of Pentecost in the proclamation of the truth in our churches? We have forsaken the Lord and we must repent. We should pray to our Blessed Mother to give us the grace to do this and for others to do as well. It's notable 
that the abuse in the church peaked at the same time that dissent, particularly in issues involving sexual morality, came to the fore. We are now celebrating the 50th anniversary of Humanae Vitae by Pope Paul VI. It was a prophetic warning that if we followed the path of the Lord of sexual promiscuity, the holiness of the human body, the holiness of relationships will be severely compromised. He was a true prophet. And yet he was met with widespread dissent. It was roughly around that time that some Catholic leaders, including some bishops, gathered and made this proclamation where they basically declared their independence from the magisterium for higher education of Catholic universities, that they will no longer be under the call of the magisterium to proclaim the truth of doctrine, that they would sort of flow with the world. Also 50 years ago, the Lord gave us the charismatic renewal. It was a grace following after the Second Vatican Council for the church to be open to the fire of the Holy Spirit, to know that we depend on Jesus Christ who is Lord, to know that we cannot build church with our own human energy, that we need to renounce to the ways and the mentality of the world, that the church is holy unto God, that it absolutely depends on God, that what we need the most is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that in order for us to avail ourselves of the grace of God, we need to repent, we need to promote the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, confession, proclaim the Gospels with a new way, and this is what John Paul II taught us as well, a new evangelization with a new fire. What happened to the charismatic renewal? It was an enormous grace, but mostly it was relegated to, well, you know, them charismatics, you know, they like that mode. And it became characterized with some of its um, more visible signs of emotional outbreaks of prayer and charisms and the essence, which was absolute dependence on the Lord and knowing that he is the Lord was largely ignored. As Colonel Rassinger wrote, this is the question that arises over and over again, particularly in our hour of new paganism and also of a new longing for God. Is the light of God, the light of Jesus Christ hidden under the bushel basket of our habits, our indifference, under the flood of our words, so that beneath them, the word can no longer shine forth or can it emerge and once again become light 
for all who live in God's house in his creation. In the 13th century, there was the Albingentian heresy. We just celebrated St. Dominic. He was raised up by the Lord at that time to preach the truth in the midst of that heresy. And why was that heresy um, so spread in Southern France? It was a reaction against the corruption and abuses of the clergy at that time. But the Lord raised St. Dominic and then the Dominican order and others. In the 15th century, again, the abuses and corruption of the clergy was a major cause for the Protestant revolt called the Reformation that turned into a large apostasy. And the Lord raised St. Ignatius of Loyola, who founded the Jesuits, and others it's to seek a renewal in the church. We must respond and believe that this is why the Lord has raised love crucified as a faithful remnant for these decisive times. For some, this clarion call may sound exaggerated, but the Lord has told us that we are entering a time of great trials, that the devastation will be great, that the securities we are used to will not be there. A time of great upheaval has begun. Again, in our community, how important Fatima has been and the third secret as the Pope and the church goes up to the mountain to meet Jesus crucified. The Lord has called up crucified in a special way to be victim souls, to raise up a holy army of priests for these times. The Lord told us through Lourdes, believe my daughter, that the mothers of the cross will help raise up many of my fallen priests. And to all of us, he has told us, suffer all with me. We're no longer two, but one in my sacrifice of love. Time is up. I would just um, like to refer you today, St. Benedict of the Cross, in the page 226 of our path, where she says, the world is in flames. The conflagration can also reach our house, but high above all the flames towers the cross. They cannot consume it. It is the path from earth to heaven. It would lift one who embraces it with faith and love and hope into the bosom of the Trinity. The world is in flames. Are you impelled to put them out? Look at the cross. You can read the whole thing in 226. My dear family, let us rise up to the occasion in faith. This is not the 13th century. This is not the 16th century. This is the 21st century, but the crisis is no less, probably even greater. And the apostasy is probably even greater in its consequences. But the Lord is God and the Lord is raising up his remnant. We are very blessed to be able to be part of it. God bless you.